Welcome to Next Level. My name is Matt Keller. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say a quick shout out to any churches that are joining us for a God of the Underdog series in some church across America or even in another country. Man, we are so uh, just blessed and encouraged to be able to be with you and add value to you this weekend. Well, guys, I'm so excited here in Southwest Florida at Next Level. What an amazing, amazing series this has been as we've walked our way through this idea that we serve a God who is for The underdog. And so this weekend in our finale here in Southwest Florida, uh, I want us to look at one final underdog who comes out of the Old Testament, and it's actually a female, and her name is Esther. And so maybe for some of us, we, we know the story of Esther. Maybe for many others of us uh, here, we're new, more new to Bible study, and we've never heard the story of Esther. I want us to, to key in on Esther this weekend in all of our services, because Esther was an underdog who had slim chances, and Esther had to make a hard decision. Now, here's what I know. I know that every single one of us know what it is to have to, to be in a position where we have to make a hard decision. Like, for example, I remember back in the day at the drive-thru, there was only like three value meals, maybe four. <laughs> now there's like 17. And every single one of them has like different variations, man. It used to be easy, but I'm just saying like it is crazy hard now. And of course, I have two kids. I got a wife and we're sitting there, you know, and the window's down and the pressure's on and there's cars behind us and there's people in the little speaker box dealy saying, take your order anytime, order anytime. And I pull up and all my ADD's going crazy and there's lights and colors and it's awesome. And then some restaurants, like if you go inside, instead of the side, there's screens and then they change and everything's moving around and they're like anytime sir anytime sir my kids are like dad dad that's us they mean us and I'm like I can't do it hard decision that kind of a moment feel like an underdog at the drive-thru okay don't even don't even get me started on the whole toll booth thing that's crazy, okay? Like, I just know. Like, I pull up. There's six toll booths. They're all going to Cape Coral. There's all the green lights. Which one? Which one? God, hard decision. <laughs> and the checkout counter. I have a curse on my life. I mean, I'm blessed in a lot of ways. One of the ways I am not blessed, ask my wife. I'm telling you, you lie, you fry. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. I will always pick the slow line. So if you want to be the last one out of the grocery store... Come shop in with me because when we get there, one item, a hundred items, doesn't matter. The person in front of us can be like 197 years old and have two things. Doesn't matter. That will be my line and it will take me 48 minutes to get out of this stinking store. What is going on? Those are hard decisions. Which checkout lane? Which, you know, which toll booth? Which value meal? I'll have 114 medium They know exactly what you're talking about. Amazing. You people back there behind the little speaker box, you're awesome. That's all I'm saying. You are awesome. Hard decisions. We all know how to make those. It's crazy, isn't it? And of course, I'm having fun and I'm being sarcastic and being silly, but the truth of the matter is every one of us know what it is to have hard decision moments in our life where the boss comes to us and says, listen, it's not exactly illegal, but I need you to not tell anybody hard decision crossroad moment. 
that moment in time where we're dating the person that we're dating and they're not tracking with their relationship with the Lord like we are and the gap is getting further and further and further apart and we come to a crossroads moment where we're faced with a hard decision or we get a job offer in another city and state and we realize that our family that's so established and so permanent and so in love with where we live is going to be affected by this hard decision, this crossroad moment. Well, this weekend in all of our services, we're going to talk about Esther. Because Esther was an underdog whose chances were slim, and she faced a hard decision. And her story is found in, believe it or not, the book of Esther. Now, if you're new to Bible study, that's probably going to throw you off a little bit, but that's okay. Stay with us. It's found in the Old Testament. If, you're, if you have like a real Bible with paper, uh, you can turn there if you want to. It'll take you a few minutes to find it, I'm sure. If you have a Bible app, just type in Esther. You'll find it, okay? So uh, this, the, the story of Esther, while you're turning there, uh, let me give us a little background information. So Esther, uh, is, is, the story starts with a guy whose name was King Xerxes. King Xerxes, and ki- the king of the nation at the time was, was a decent enough guy, I suppose, but he had a really bad leadership style. And so one weekend, he and his buddies are, are hanging out, and they start drinking, and they drink too much. And so at one point in the weekend, they asked the, the present queen, her name was Vashti, Queen Vashti, to come in and, and provide a little halftime entertainment. They call her in, and the king you know, says, Vashti, we want you to do a dance for us. And Queen Vashti refused. And she looked at the king, and she looked at his friends, and she said, no, I won't do it. And so they instantly put her out of the room, and they, they begin to conspire with themselves. And before long, they brought in some attorneys, And there are lawyers there and really smart, scholarly people. And they're looking at one another going, what are we going to do about this? Because if the other women in our nation begin to hear that the queen has stood up to the king like this, there will be an all-out revolt among wives and their husbands in our nation. And so the attorneys and the smart guys and the king and his buddies finally come to the conclusion that Queen Vashti needs to be ousted. And so she is banished from the palace. She is put out. And at that point, the search for a new queen begins. And so all of the smart guys, all of the intellectual guys start to search the entire kingdom looking for the most intelligent and beautiful women that they can find. And so from all of the the four corners of the nation, they start to gather these these beautiful and intelligent women around for for the king to make his decision. And Esther was one of the women in the, the Bible word is the harem. It was the, the word harem. And Esther was one of those ladies. And so Esther was an underdog. See, What we discover about Esther is that Esther's parents died when she was young. And she was orphaned. And in their culture, that meant that she was an outcast. She was a throwaway. She was a nuisance to their society. Thankfully, her cousin, whose name was Mordecai, took her in. And he adopted Esther and he raised her as his own. But Esther should not be the one to be included in this this company of ladies to be considered to become the next queen. Not to mention that Esther was a member of the Jewish race. And so she was from the wrong family. She was, she was the wrong nationality. And in, in their country in those days, the Jews would have at minimum been treated as outcasts. And at a more likeliness, she, she would have been considered a slave. And so if ever there was an underdog to become the next queen, it was Esther. And yet, what we're about to discover in Esther's story is Esther, the underdog, was chosen by God. Let's begin looking, and the verses will be on the screen. You'll be able to follow along there. Esther chapter 2, starting in verse 15, says this, When 
The turn came for Esther to go to the king. She asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And then look at this phrase. Look what it says. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. If you have your bulletin, I would love for you to follow along with my train of thought over the next few minutes as we move through the, 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 our time of this talk. And I want to point out four things that I think we can learn from Esther the underdog. And the first one is this. Notice, number one, that Esther had intangibles. Esther had intangibles that it says there that, that everyone that came in contact with Esther liked her. They, they were drawn to her. That, that there was something about Esther. Even though she was an underdog, even though she was from the wrong nationality, even though she was an orphan, even though she shouldn't have been the one, the Bible tells us that God's favor was on her, that that. There was something about her that in the natural, it shouldn't have worked. In the natural, it should not have been Esther to be chosen as the next queen. But there was more than just the natural going on. See, in the natural, Esther looked like the last person who should be considered to become queen. But in the supernatural, God was at work. And here's what I believe. I believe this weekend that the same thing is true in each and every one of our lives. That maybe we look on at our lives and we go, you know what? This shouldn't make sense. Of all of the applications, it probably shouldn't be me. And maybe in the natural, you're right. Maybe you look on at the circumstances of your life and you go, you know what? Because of my relational past in the natural, I should not be able to be happy in my relationships in the present or going future, into the future. Maybe in the natural, you look on and, and you go, you know what? Our financial position, our financial state, because of the last several years of a down economy, in the natural, it should not work that we would be qualified for this. But I want to encourage you, listen, all of our services this week, and listen, Next Level Church, we serve a God who's not just working in the natural, He's working in the supernatural. And I look across our life, our story, the story of Next Level Church, over the last 11 and a half, almost 12 years, my wife and I, I was 26, she was 24 when we moved here. We had an 18-month-old son and two college guys, one of which smoked. He's a real tall guy on our staff now. His name rhymes with bike. And when we got down here, listen, we had no clue what we were doing. We had $9,200 to our name, which is not a lot of money to start a whole church. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have a clue what was going on. This thing should not have worked. In the natural, it shouldn't have worked. Thanks be to God. We serve a God who's working in the supernatural as well. That was what was true with Esther as well, that she had intangible, some, some supernatural things going on in her life. And listen, underdogs, whoever you are, whatever you're listening today, listen, you have permission to believe that God's working in the supernatural, in the intangibles of your life as well. Let's continue reading. Verse 17, it goes on, it says this, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Number two, if you want to write this down, Esther was chosen. And that gave her confidence. Of all of the women in the kingdom, Esther, the underdog, was the one that God chose. She's the one 
that, that God led the king to choose that, that of all of the women, it shouldn't have been so. She was the one. She was chosen, and that chosenness, uh, the reality for her, gave her the confidence to step in and to do what, she, what God needed her to do. She was chosen. And I, I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, uh, the truth of the matter is I like being chosen. <laughs> like, there's nothing like being chosen, is there? I mean, every one of us, we, like, we, <laughs> there's nothing like being chosen. All the way back to elementary school, there's something inside of us, right? That liked, like, we liked actually not being picked last on the kickball or dodgeball team at recess. Like, we like being chosen, don't we? Or, or there's nothing like being chosen and asked to the prom. What a great feeling that was. There's nothing like being chosen. And the opposite is true as well, isn't it? Man, there's nothing like the pain of not being chosen. I, I remember some people uh, may not know this, that um, God of the Underdogs is not the first book I've ever written. That About five years ago, I wrote a book called The Up the Middle Church. And it's a collection of stories and principles and lessons that we learned in the first several years of planting our church. And it's written for church planners and pastors and leaders, that sort of thing. Uh, but um, when I wrote the manuscript for the Up the Middle Church, I started submitting it to different Christian publishers around the nation. And one after another after another rejected it. And there was one, there was one publisher uh, in Nashville that, that liked it. And it actually, they, you know, they approved it and it kind of moved to this meeting and then this meeting and then this meeting and this meeting. And so we thought, you know, this is going to happen. And so it got all the way to the last review board meeting, whatever. And we thought they're going to pick it up. It's going to get published. And we got an email back from them and it said, you know what? We, we like the way you write. You're a good writer. Your principles are great. Uh, there's sound stuff in here, but we basically run the numbers and not enough people know who you are. And so the answer is no. And man, I remember getting that email and just my wife and I just, I mean, we were so depressed, so discouraged. Like we went to Perkins. <laughs> no, which is a fine establishment. We like, we just like, we just, I remember laying our heads on the booth, like just being so depressed and so discouraged. So fast forward to a couple of years ago when I was contacted literally out of the blue from a literary agent who said, hey, I've read up the middle and we ended up self-publishing, by the way. And so, you know, I've read that and been watching you online and so forth. And if there's any more books in you, uh, man, I, I would like to represent you and basically, you know, help you get, get a publisher, get signed with a publisher. And so I sent them the proposal for God of the Underdogs. And, and uh, when, I, when you know, I, I sent it to my agent, and then she started to send it out to, to different Christian publishers around the country, and all of a sudden, the response was totally different. All of a sudden, uh, Christian publishers were saying, wow, we like this, and we like this metaphor. We like the concept of the underdogs, and we like you, and people know who you are, and at least more people know who you are now. And, and so all of a sudden, like, there ended up being like four of the biggest Christian publishers in the nation who all wanted it, and we want it, no, we want it, no, we want it, no, we want it, we want it, we want it, and they're flying in different places to see me and meet with me, and I'm like, what? <laughs> it is fun to be wanted, right? It's fun to be chosen, every one of us. Know that feeling of when we are the one who's chosen, and for Esther, she was chosen, but listen, long before King Xerxes, an earthly king chose her, Esther was chosen by a heavenly king, a capital K, the king of kings. Esther was chosen. And that being chosen 
reality for her made all the difference. And listen, I want you to know something. Listen, I don't know what service you're in. Maybe you're watching or listening online or maybe you're in another church. Listen, I want you to know something. Every single person who's listening or watching this right now, listen, you've got to hear this. God's chosen you. God's chosen you. He, he knows who you are, when you are, why you are for a reason. And there is something significant that God wants to use your life to accomplish that nobody else can do. You're chosen. Let that chosen reality birth inside of you today a confidence knowing that the King of Kings, the capital K King, has chosen you. God's up to something, just as he was with Esther. So Esther becomes the queen and, you know, she's cruising along, life's going great. And, and so Mordecai, her cousin, has kind of become like this wise counselor to her. And so uh, he wasn't really allowed in the palace though with her, but uh, so he would hang out, you know, near the gates uh, during the day and so forth. And then when he could interact with Esther, you know, he'd give her advice and counsel and so forth. And so one day, uh, soon after this, Mordecai, her cousin's hanging out by the front gates and he hears these two guys, two of the, two of the, the door guards, you know, and they're mad at the king. And so they start to, to conspire about how they're going to assassinate or kill the king. Well, Mordecai hears it, and so he obviously does the right thing. And so he goes to Esther, he finds Queen Esther, and he says, listen, you have to warn the king. These two guys, these two thugs, you know, they're going to they're gonna take out the king. They're, look at, look at uh, chapter 2, verse 21 says this, during the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Big Thana and Terrace, that just sounds like thugs, doesn't it? <laughs> Big Thana. Oh, that, you know that dude had tattoos. Two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, oh boy, the two officials were impaled on poles. Thug that, right? <laughs> Whoa! Holy cow! Okay, so here's, here's the third thing I want us to understand about Esther the underdog. God was working behind the scenes on her behalf. God knew that, that Esther was going to need a wise counselor like Mordecai in her corner, close to her. And so God arranged the circumstances, unbeknownst to Esther, unbeknownst to anybody else, even though it didn't look like it on the surface, even though it was kind of like, well, what is God up to with this whole, you know, Esther being the queen and what is going on? Okay, even though in the natural, it didn't look like anything. Here's what we need to understand. God was working behind the scenes. God was ordering steps and arranging circumstances so that Mordecai would get the credit so that he could have greater access to his cousin Esther so that he could help her make wise decisions, which we're about to find out. In just a couple of moments, why that was so important. And here's what I want us to get. Listen, some of us look around at our life this weekend. We, we look around and we don't understand what's going on. Some of us have circumstances. Maybe it's in relationships or maybe it's in our workplace or in our school. And you've been tempted to look at your circumstances and even raise your fist perhaps to God and say, God, what is going on? Where are you? God, are you even working at all in my life? God, are you even working in these kids? God, are you even working in my spouse? God, are you even, are you even aware of my circumstances? And listen, I would want you to know this weekend, God is working on your behalf behind the scenes. And even though you may not, it may not look like it, even though you may not feel like it, listen, God's working 
He's working on your behalf. I think about our church and how over the last 11 and a half, almost 12 years, how there have been so many moments in time where it looked like we're going, God, what are you up to? God, what is going on? God, are you even aware of our circumstances? I remember when we, when we were first planting the church, we'd moved here and uh, we were meeting in our little apartment, the four of us, and we needed a place to meet on Sundays. And so uh, Mike and Dave were watching uh, our son, Will, at the time, and they, so Sarah and I could go out on this date. It was a Friday night, so we went to dinner, and then we ended up uh, at the Bell Tower Movie Theaters. And we got tickets for Star Wars 1. Oh, yeah. And we sat at the very top row. Oh, yeah. Some of you got that. And, and so before the movie started, as people were you know, filtering in, I, I turned to Sarah at one point, and I said, you know what? This would be a great place to have church. And the longer we sat there watching Star Wars, you know, going through the, the whole thing, by the end of the movie, I turned to Sarah and I said, I think we should talk to the manager about trying to have church in here. So on Monday morning, I got dressed and ready. And before I went to work, I, I went to the Veltar movie theaters. And there, uh, they called the manager in, and her name was Caroline. And Caroline came in. And I came down, and I introduced myself and told her who I was, that we had moved here to start a church. We needed somewhere to meet. And she looked at me, and she said, you know what? We have never had a church in the Bell Tower Theaters ever. But I can still hear her saying it. But I used to be the manager over at the Cape Coral Theater. And I helped the church get in there. Let me talk to somebody and see what I can do. And within two days, we had received an email from the Bell Tower management team saying that they would love to have us. And for the next four days, years. Next Level Church was the church in the movie theater. And we met at the Bell Tower Theaters and grew for the, the for 200 Sundays. For the first four years of our church, the foundation upon which everything we do as a church, so many of the lessons, so many of the, the things about the culture of Next Level and the philosophy of, of ministry we have here were birthed in that movie theater because of a woman named Caroline who God was ordering her steps unbeknownst to us. To make it so, the little old Next Level Church could meet at the Bell Tower 20 movie theaters. So listen, maybe the circumstances of your life this weekend don't give off evidence that God's at work, but can I just encourage you, what's true for us, what's true for Esther, is also true for you. You can have confidence knowing that the God of the universe, the God of the underdogs, is at work on your behalf. So back to the Esther story, fast forward like five years. And, and so the queen is cruising along. Everything's going great in the kingdom. Everything's wonderful in the palace. She's settled into the ways and means. And Mordecai is near her. And he has uh, the ability to come and go and offer wise counsel and, and be with her. And then uh, one day, a, a high up official who worked for King Xerxes named Haman basically gets it in for Mordecai. And he doesn't just get it in for Mordecai. He gets it in for the entire Jewish race. And so Haman, unbeknownst to the king, passes a law that in a few short months, he is going to make it legal to eradicate, to kill, to annihilate the entire Jewish population. And so Mordecai gets wind of this and he, he starts to freak out and he starts to panic and realize that if somebody doesn't intervene, that if somebody doesn't do something about this Haman and about this law that's been passed, that the entire Jewish race is going to be wiped out off the face of the earth. 
on December the 13th that it's going to happen. And so in a moment of, of, of desperation, he, he finds Queen Esther and he pulls her aside and he says, Esther, listen, here's what's going to happen. Here's Haman's plan. And you've got to do something. You've got to intervene. You've got to do it. And in that moment, Esther, Queen Esther, Esther the underdog was faced with a crossroads. Does she make the hard decision and go to the king? Or does she fly under the radar and stay happily married and happily happy in the palace? See, in those days, queens didn't interfere with the king's politics, with, with the policies and procedures and ways and means that things happen in their nation. My goodness, the first queen just refused to do a little halftime dance and she got banished. If Queen Esther takes the dare, if she, if she dares approach the king about this policy, she could be at a minimum banished, probably more likely she'd be put to death. So there she is, faced with this hard decision. There she is looking in the eyes of her cousin Mordecai, who's saying, listen, you're the one who could save our people. Look at the exchange in chapter 4, verse 13. Do not think, this is Mordecai talking to Esther, that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. He had confidence that God would come through. But you and your father's family will perish. And then look at this phrase. He says, and who knows, Esther, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai puts the choice before. Mordecai looks his Sweet, innocent, underdog, now powerful queen in the face and says, maybe, just maybe, everything that's ever happened in our life, in your life, has led to this moment, to this crossroad. Maybe, just maybe, it's led to this decision. And so there she is. Imagine being Esther. Put yourself in her shoes for a minute, you guys. Imagine being Esther and finding yourself at this place where if you just lay low and be pretty and keep your mouth shut, everything is fine. But having to face this hard decision, this crossroads of saying, yeah, but maybe just maybe God has ordered my entire life for such a time as this, for this moment to be about something greater that would impact so many people. Thankfully, Esther made the right decision, even when it was hard. And when she made the right decision, it changed everything. Everything. So she goes in to the king, and the king sees her and recognizes her and, and is so happy and so glad to see her that, that he looks at her and he says what a lot of leaders in the Bible always say, and I don't understand why they say it, and he says, ask for anything up to half the kingdom. Don't do that. It always gets you into trouble. But it didn't this time. But it, so Esther says, okay, you know what? I actually do have a request, king. And, and so here's what I want to do. I want to throw a banquet, 
And I want you and a bunch of the palace staff to come to the banquet, and I'll tell you what my request is at the banquet. The king's like, great, sounds good, let's party. We know he has a propensity for partying, so he's fine with that. So uh, a few days go by, and, and Haman actually finds Mordecai, and he gets so angry with him that he and a bunch of his buddies have dinner, and they basically decide that through the night they're going to build a, a giant 75-foot-tall gallows to hang Mordecai on because he's so upset with him. And so one thing leads to another, and they have the first banquet, and Haman is there with the king. And so I don't know if Esther gets cold feet or what, but she basically doesn't tell the king what her request is. And so she says, but good news, let's have another banquet. And so they come to the second banquet, and so Haman has, has erected this gigantic gallows to hang Mordecai on. And they come to the second banquet, and the king looks at Queen Esther, and he says, what is it? What do you want up to half the kingdom? And she says, you know what I want? I want my life to be spared. And I want my entire uh, race to be spared. And the king looks at her just confused and perplexed. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she said, someone in your regime has passed a law that will annihilate all of the Jewish race on December the 13th. And the king is just beside himself and he's blown away and he's flabbergasted. And he says, who, who did it? And Esther in that moment points her finger at Haman and says, he did, he did it. And the king turns to Haman at the banquet. And he says, this will not be so. And he orders Haman to be hung on the gallows that he had built for Mordecai. And the king looks at Esther and Mordecai and says, we need Mordecai and his wisdom in our palace in an even greater way. And the king deals with Haman. He promotes Mordecai to a high-level position, and Esther and Mordecai actually become the ones who penned into law the new law that eradicated the death warrant on the Jewish people and instead brought greater blessing and favor in that nation than the Jewish race had ever experienced before. Esther made the hard decision, and that changed everything. Of course, each one of us who are listening today, perhaps many of us are starting to connect the dots even to us in our day and age today. Because it was Jesus who emerged a lot of years later from the Jewish race. Think of that. Our lives are eternally different today, thousands of years later. Because one underdog girl named Esther decided to make a hard decision. And the result was she changed the world. She saved her nation. And she changed the world. So here's my challenge to us. What hard decision do you need to make? I believe it's possible that there are so many of us who come into one of our services this weekend and you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about because in your stomach, the pit of your stomach right now, like you know, you know that God has been stirring your heart. Maybe it's a decision about serving. And you know that over the last several weeks, God's been stirring your heart to come on, lean in and, and offer your gifts, your talents, your passions, your abilities to serve someone else in a ministry uh, uh, zone at Next Level Church. Listen, do it. Lean in. What decision do you need to make 
Because there is a group of people, there's a group of middle school uh, kids and and teenagers who are not going to be impacted if you don't lean in. There's a group of of cars that aren't going to get parked in our parking lot if you don't lean in to the parking team. There's cameras that aren't going to get run. There's lights and sound that's not going to happen. There's bulletins that aren't going to get distributed. There's babies that aren't going to get taken care of. There's kids in our kids' ministry. There's teenagers on Wednesday night. You're going to miss out. We need you. They need you to lean in. Come on, discover your places this Sunday night. Get there. Do what you got to do to get there. Why? Because one crossroads decision makes a huge difference in the lives of so many others. Maybe it's a financial decision. And you know that there's a, there's a decision where God's been stirring your heart to put him first in your finances, to tithe, to give him the first 10%. And you've been like, yeah, well, you know, and you've been making excuses. God would say, come on, make that decision this weekend. Maybe you're single and you've been living with the person you're dating. And you know God's been stirring your heart saying, come on, this isn't my best plan for you. This isn't what I, I want best for you. Come on, move out until you're married. Come on, honor me. Listen, you never know what impact your story, your decision this weekend will have on others, on on other future generations maybe. Come on, what decision is it that God is stirring in your heart? If I can just challenge you as an influencer in your life, listen, come on, it's worth it. It's worth it. Esther the underdog came to a crossroad moment in her life. And because she made the hard decision, the right decision should change the world. We will never know what's at stake with the decisions we make in our life. Looking back over our story of Next Level Church, listen, you know what I know for sure? I know that when we tell the story, it's never, it's never the easy decisions that shape us, is it? Like it's not like, man, I'm so, so glad that we made an easy decision on that. That changed everything. Okay, it's not those, is it? It's the hard ones, isn't it? It's the, it's the ones that keep us up at night. It's the ones that, that, that turn our stomach. It's the ones we were, okay, listen, come on. Permission granted. Lean into it. Lean into it. Whatever that hard decision is, lean into it. Because you just never know whose lives are going to be impacted because of it. Can we pray together? Come on, all of our services. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. Thank you that you brought us to a place like this in this moment, in this time, as I believe it to be a divine appointment. Lord, I pray for so many of us who are facing a difficult decision in our life somewhere. Lord, I pray that you would infuse us with with divine courage, courage like Esther had, to make the right choice, the wise choice, the hard choice. Because God, we never know what lives are going to be impacted because of the decision we make this weekend. Father, thank you that you are a God of the underdog who chooses to use us and the decisions we make to impact others. Lord, thank you for speaking to hearts this weekend in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed in every service said,